I believe this message is of utmost importance, so much so that if I had one message that I could broadcast to every church in America, it's hard to think of one that I'd prefer over this one. Not because I preached it well or anything, but because of the content. This message speaks of the biblical principle of evidential fruit. You see, churches across America today are filled with people who may have had a confession, a confirmation or an experience, but they've never truly been born again. You see, as the old saying goes, the proof is in the pudding. Please consider this message titled, Do You See the New in You? 2 Corinthians 5.14 For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that Christ was, uh, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this message. God, we thank you for these people that have saw fit to come unto your house. Lord, I pray, God, you bless them with open eyes today. Lord, I ask you, God, that uh, whatever blinders may be on them, and God, that you remove them just for a moment. And Lord, I pray, God, that you enable your preacher uh, to bring forth this message in which you have given uh, unto this people in a mighty way. Lord, that they not see me, nor my weakness, nor my frailties. God, but that they see Jesus for who he is and for them... Uh, their selves for who they are. And God, we just ask you for your mercy and your blessings and your grace this morning, for it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. This morning we're going to focus upon this passage of Scripture with special emphasis upon verse number 17. I will be looking at uh, some of chapter 4 and some prior in chapter 5 in which I did not read, along with some other scripture. But I want you to understand, church, that the message in which I'm going to preach to you today uh, will be upon a topic almost exclusively that, that I don't know that I have preached before. And I don't know that I'll preach again, for the fact of the matter is, if you don't get it, uh, you'll never get it. And... Um, I'm going to give you this scripture, and I'm going to give you this message. And 
as we look upon this scripture, when we look upon verse number 17, I want to read it, and then I want to break it down essentially into two things in that verse, and then we're going to expound upon that. Verse number 17, it says, Therefore, and I read you some of the therefore prior to this, some of, not all of, but some of the therefore. He says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, if you were to uh, look at that verse of Scripture, you could break it down many ways. I want to look at it. Uh, two things specifically. Number one, the message. The message of verse number 17 says this, and that is that, listen, if someone has been born again, if they have uh, been washed in the blood of the Lamb, if they have been redeemed, they are new. And not only they are new, but everything about them is new. Everything about them. Everything in, 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 in their uh, life is new. Behold, all things. And so the, that's the message. That those old things are passed away, and man, everything is new. But I want you to understand also the manner in which he says it. You say, if you look at verse number 17, look at it as I read it. Look at it as I read it. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, all things are become new. Is that the what it says? It's close, but it's not. I left out one little word. One little word. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, why do you think he threw that word in there? That word behold means this. It means used as imperative, lo, behold, or to see. It's defined as to know or be aware or behold or consider that root word there. And man, what he's wanting to do, he's wanting you to understand emphatically, behold, look at this, pay attention to this, consider this. Everything is new to that creature that is in Christ. Everything is new. We're going to look at this thought here this morning, and I'm going to give you much Scripture. I encourage you to ponder upon it. And The, the title for this message is this, Do You See the New in You? Do you see the new in you? Because really it doesn't matter uh, what I see. It doesn't matter what I see in you, and it doesn't matter what you see in your neighbor. Do you see the new in you? Because we're going to look at what those new things could be. In order for someone to see the new in themselves, number one, we see that there is a uh, qualifier necessary, a necessary qualifier, something that, that, that makes you able to see the new. Verse number 17, therefore, what's that next word? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. If, if, if. If, in other words, in order to be new, in order to have been made a new creature, in order to see those new things in you, then you have to be in Christ. You have to be. You have to be. That's necessary for this to take place. Now, understand... You have to experience that reconciliation. Well, what, does that, what does that mean? That means to be born again. 
That means to be born again, you have to experience that reconciliation. I did not say to know of the reconciliation. I did not say to have been taught of the reconciliation. I did not say to understand the reconciliation. I did not say know how to be reconciled to Christ. I didn't say have your family be reconciled to Christ. I didn't say go to a church that preaches the reconciliation of Christ. I didn't say give to a church that preaches the reconcilia- uh, reconciliation of Christ. I said you must experience it. You have to experience being born again. You have to experience it. And this is my fear. And I've said this, church, I've said this, and this is why I said it at the preface, that this message could and should be preached at every church from sea to shining sea. You know why? Because the church is polluted with people that know of the reconciliation. They've been taught it. It's been preached. And they go to churches that preach it. They've never experienced it. Never experienced it. Church after church after church. Man, I'll tell you what, if you were to look at the, if you were just to look at this county right here, you'd see churches all over the place, right? If you were to look at West Virginia, you'd see churches all over the place. If you were to look at America, for, for, by and large, you would see churches all over the place. But yet, why is America in the shape it's in? It's because there's been people that know of the reconciliation. They've been taught the reconciliation. They understand how someone is reconciled, but they've never experienced it. If you're going to see the new in you, And we're going to see what that new is here in a minute. If you're going to see that in you, then you must experience, experience the reconciliation of Christ. Reconciliation of Christ. You must experience being born again, not just understand how. It's necessary. The necessary qualifier to see the new in you is to have experienced the reconciliation of Christ. And then next is to have the earnest of the Spirit to have received the earnest of the Spirit. Verse number 5 in chapter 5. We didn't go back this far. Like I said, I'm going to refer back to chapter 4. I'm going to refer some to uh, chapter 5 and what we haven't read and, of course, what we did read and on throughout Scripture. But in chapter 5, in verse number 4, or excuse me, chapter 5, verse number 5, it says this, Now he that hath wrought in us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. He gave unto us the earnest. He gave unto us the down payments. What what is that? The Spirit of Christ in us. If you've been born again, listen, you've been given the Holy Spirit of God. And that's absolutely necessary because in order to see the new in you, it's not going to be done by the works of your hands. It's not going to be done by the flesh in you. For there is nothing good that dwelleth in the flesh. It's going to be by the Spirit of God that resides in you. And in order to see the new in you, the Spirit of God must be inside of you. In order for the Spirit of God to be inside you, leading you and giving you power, uh, in order to do these things, you must be born again. Jesus told His uh, apostles here, prior to leaving this earth, Acts 1:80 he said, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. That's, that's what Jesus said right before He ascended. He said, man, I'm, you're not going to might have power. You're going to have power. The Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and ye shall 
Be witnesses unto me. You, you must, the qualifier is you must have the earnest of the, of, the, uh, of the Spirit. You must have that Spirit of God. Without the Spirit of God, you cannot live the, the Christian life. You can't do it. You cannot do it. The Bible tells us. Paul told this uh, same church in chapter 3. He said this, For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And uh, such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who hath, uh, also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth light. life. We have been made able ministers, not in the flesh, but of the Spirit. And so in order to see the new in you, you, you must have be reconciled unto God. You must have experienced being born again. You must have the earnest of the, of the Holy Spirit that's been given unto us until the redemption in total uh, will take place. And then in verse number 14, we see that you must have the evidence of Christ's love restraining you. Verse number 14 of chapter 5 and what we read. It says this, it says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. For the love of Christ constraineth us. This church is what's called evidence. Evidence. To constrain, that word means this. To hold together or to compress to arrest as a prisoner, figuratively to compel, perplex, afflict, preoccupy, constrain, hold, keep in, or press. And so what Paul is saying is that the love of Christ, man, it arrests us as if we were prisoners. It compels us. It perplexes us. It afflicts us. It preoccupies us. It holds us. The love of Christ does that. It works in us. The love of Christ. This is evidence of someone that has experienced the reconciliation. And church, make no mistake, I'm going to have you turn right now to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Make no mistake, the Bible speaks over and over and over that there will be evidence of the new birth in the life of the Christian. And this is kind of where we get down to brass tacks here. Do you see the new in you? Is there evidence of that new birth? Or do you simply know about that birth? Do you simply understand what's been said? Do you simply... Um, Go to a church that preaches it. Or have you experienced it? Well, James chapter 2, there's, there's many people that might look at this uh, passage of Scripture, and, and I want to read it, and I want to understand it emphatically. James chapter 2 is not speaking that you have to have works to be saved. James chapter 2 is saying that if you're saved, you'll have works. James chapter 2, verse number 17, it says this, it says, even so faith, and we're saved by faith, amen? 
We are saved by God's grace through faith in the redemption power of Jesus Christ. If you're trying to get there on your own works, you're going to die and go to hell. Verse 17, though, it says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Do you get that? You believe there is one God, man, you're doing good. The devils also do. Verse number 18. Or verse number 17. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou, God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But what wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? His faith took him there, and his works proved it. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We see Paul speaking to the church at Rome. And man, he just got done speaking of how there is none righteous, no, not one. That they're all guilty before God. And then he says this in verse number, in, in chapter 3, don't turn there, go, go to Romans 8. He says, therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all of them that believe. And so he speaks through chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6 about how salvation is by God's grace and it's not by the law. And he contrasts uh, the law versus grace and the purpose of the law versus grace. And he gets to chapter 8 and he says this, verse number 1, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Verse number 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit... The things of the Spirit. You see the contrast? You see the contrast? You have those that are carnally minded, and it goes on to say, verse number 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So we already said how salvation is of grace. And he went on and on and on about that. And now what he's saying is, listen, if you've experienced that faith, if you've been born again spiritually, there'll be evidence of that. There's no condemnation in those. There's evidence of that faith. There's proof of that faith. They walk different. Man, they talk different. They are different. They're different altogether. Matthew 7. Turn with me there. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said this. Matthew 
7, 16. He speaks of false prophets. Verse 15, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. He says, verse number 16, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or, thi or figs or thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not uh, forth good fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Often referred to as the fruit test. And so as we go back to 2 Corinthians, and we see what Paul is saying unto this church in 2 Corinthians, he says, the love of Christ constraineth us. It holds us. It compels us. It arrests us. The love of Christ, if you have... If you understand the love of Christ, if you has, have experienced the love of Christ, if you are employing the love of Christ, it will make you different than what you are, what you were. We see in verse number 17, Therefore, if, 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 if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, number one, we see that there is a qualifier necessary. In order to see the new in you, you must have experienced, not just understand, not just have been taught, not have gone to a church, but experienced the new birth in Christ. To be born again of the Spirit, to have received the earnest of the Spirit. And when you do that, man, the love of Christ will constrain you, and all things are new. Behold! Look! All things are new. Next, what is the all things? What is he talking about? What can those all things be? Well, number one, uh, the results of that quickened spirit is a different point of view. Chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. Sorry. text. It says this, 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. One of the all things that will change in the Christian is that they will not focus on the temporal and the carnal but they will be focused on the spiritual and the eternal. That's one of the things that will change, is the perspective, the way, the way they view things. So many Christians, so many Christians, as they go through their daily lives, as they look upon the actions, and I say so many Christians, so many professing Christians anyway, whether they are or not is not for me to say. 
But so many professing Christians, they look at the actions of their hands, they think about their plans uh, for tomorrow and the next day, and, and they plot and they do all of these things, and they do it simply on the carnal and the physical. That's what they're focused on. That is by what they are living their life. That is how they are determining the decisions they make. But according to 2 Corinthians 4.18, Paul says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul is saying we. He didn't say me. He said we. He's talking to the church. He's talking to the Christians. He's educating them. He says, man, when, when you're new, you're going to have a different perspective. You're going to see things differently. So let me ask you this, church. Do you see the new in you? Do you see, do you see in looking at your life and examining the decisions you make and the, way you, and the manner in which you live, are you looking at them through the spiritual lens or are you looking at them through the physical lens? Do you see the new in you? Do you have a different point of view than what you had before? We see in the Christian also the results of a quickened spirit, the, the results of experiencing, not just knowing of, not just knowing how to, but experiencing the new birth as we see a new determination. Chapter 4, verse number 10. It says this, Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. And in verse number 10 and 11, we see essentially the same thing repeated. But what we see is a cause and effect. A cause and effect. Let me read that verse number 10 again. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also, the effect, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. What is he talking about? We experience the death of Jesus. Uh, we're bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. We, we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Well, he goes on and he expounds about that in uh, verse number 20 of Galatians 2, he says this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh. In other words, it's different now than what it used to be. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Later on in Galatians 5.22 it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. They which are Christ's have not they which are Christ might. They which are Christ which choose to be, but they which are Christ have. There's a new determination in those that are quickened by the Spirit. And that determination is this, to die to self and to live for Christ. To die to self and to live for Christ. Let me ask you this, do you see the new in you? Or are you still following after your worldly lust? Are you still following after the things that you desire? Are you even considering 
What Christ would want for you. What Christ would want for your children. What Christ wants for your family. What Christ wants for your church. What Christ wants for your life. Are you even considering that? Or are you simply following about yourself? If you are, is that new? Or is that the same thing it's always been? Because it just might be that you know of the new birth, that you've been taught about the new birth, but you've never experienced the new birth. For my Bible tells me that there's a change that happens. That the life of Jesus might be made manifest. He says, verse number 10, in our body, verse number 11, in our mortal flesh. Some, some might say this, they might say, preacher, there ain't nobody live like Christ. There's nobody that can live like Him. He was God in the flesh. Amen, He was, right? And I'll even amen that. There's, there's, there's no one that can live perfect. No one. Not me, not you. We still deal with this flesh. But here's the problem I have, is there's many Christians out there who don't even try. Amen? They don't even try. There's no evidence. There's no evidence of even attempting to live like Christ. There's no evidence of a new birth. I was always taught if it looked like a duck, walked like a duck, quack like a duck. It wasn't a chicken. Amen? And you have to understand this, church. You have to understand that the difference between the saved and the lost couldn't be any more different than oil or water, than day or night, than black or white, than alive or dead. They couldn't be further apart. But yet, what do we see in church? What we see in church is almost a mirrored image of those that don't even profess Christ. They have some morality about them. But they have no different perspective. They have no different determination. There's nothing different. And I have to ask myself, why? When the Bible tells me that something's going to be different, why is it not? Why is there no evidence? And so many professing Christians, the results of a quickened spirit, behold, look, see, judge, all things become new. One thing's going to be a different point of view. Another thing's going to be a new determination, something different. And in next, verse number 18 through 20, we see a new delegation. This is a job that Christ has given His church. Verse number 18 and 19 mirror each other, and it culminates in verse number 20. Verse number 18, it says this, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ. And you can stop at that sentence right there, and you can see that the salvation is of Christ, not of man. He reconciled us to Himself. Salvation is God's work, not man's work. But there's evidence of that salvation. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto Him, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. 
We see in verse number 18, he says the ministry of reconciliation. That defined is attendance as a servant. If I have a ministry, then it's I am serving that ministry. That's what ministry means. Attendance as a servant. Service as the Christian teacher. He's given us. Who's he talking to, church? The church at Corinth. He's talking to the church. He's talking to the church. Not just to the preacher. Not just to the evangelist. Not just to the pastor. He's talking to the church. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And the word of reconciliation, that is the topic, the subject of discourse, the reasoning, the mental faculty, He's given that to us, the word of reconciliation. Church, listen, how in the world's people going to know Jesus Christ and be saved from a devil's hell? And they hear the word from the church. When they hear the word from the ones who God committed it unto, He's committed us to ministry, verse number 18. He's committed us to the word of reconciliation. Verse number 20, like I said, it's kind of the culmination there. It says, now then, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are His spokesmen in a foreign country. We are His mouthpiece. We are His representative. And it goes on, he says this, he says, As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled unto God. Man, we are carrying the very words of Christ. He's given us that ministry. He's given us that word. This is where we're at. This church, this world's not my home. Hey, man, and any Christian, you know that this world's not your home. We are simply uh, sojourning here for a while. And while we're here, we are ambassadors for Christ. Uh, part of that evidence of a quickened spirit is that we have understand, know, and, and are committed to our new delegation, the job in which Christ has given us. And then lastly here, and, and this, this is just a summary. I'm sure if I put my mind to it, I could probably come up with some more, and you probably probably have already. The results of the quickened spirit, a different point of view, a new determination uh, to, to die to self and to live as Christ, a new delegation to carry up, uh, pick up the cross and follow Him, man, to, to uh, take that word and that ministry which He's committed unto us unto a lost and dying world. And lastly, one of the things that has become new is a new destination. Amen. John 14 tells us this, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Thank God for that new destination. Thank God for that, church. But I just have to ask you this question. I have to ask you this question. And that is this. Do you see the new in you? Do you see the new in you? When you look back at your life, and you go back to that day. Did you hear the word of reconciliation? Did you understand it? The main thing is, did you experience it? Did you experience it? And if you look back to that day, and you look at your life since then, has things changed? things changed? The Bible tells us, behold, all things become new. All things. And you're going to have a different way of looking at things. You're going to have a different determination in your life. Die to self and live unto Christ. 
You're going to understand that people are dying and going to hell, and He's committed to us the word of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. We're ambassadors for Him. Has any of that changed? And if it hasn't, then ask yourself why. The Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You better be sure. You better be sure. This is not something that you want to take for granted. It's not something that you want to take for chance. The Bible tells us, and I don't want you to doubt your salvation if you're saved, but the Bible says we can know. We can know by seeing the evidence in what that change has made. We can know that. We can know that. And so, uh, you know, as we looked at this message today, and like I said, this message can be preached in any and, and should be preached. Sadly, it won't. It will not be. This message won't be preached in 99% of pulpits across America, but it should be. And it needs to be. The fact of the matter is, it's being preached here to you today. You need to make sure. You need to make sure. And if you're sure, man, that's, that's, that's good. That's good. As long as between you and God, you've got that settled, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Man, but I hope you have it settled. Do you know God? Or do you know of God? Have you heard about that word of reconciliation? Or have you experienced it? I got that settled. I settled that. And I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But I can definitely look back to uh, prior to my new birth and since my new birth. And I say this not boasting at all because it's simply the love of Christ that constraineth me. But I can see evidence that I have experienced that new birth. Didn't just hear about it. Thank God I heard about it. I hadn't heard, if I hadn't heard about it, I could never have experienced it. And that's why God's committed to us the Word in the ministry of reconciliation. I've experienced it. I've got that settled. How about you? If you don't have it settled, you can get it settled today. And the only thing that can stop you, the only thing that can stop you is your flesh and your pride. That's it. Your flesh and your pride. And like I said, this is the, um, I, I, I don't know, I don't know, and, and I can't speak for God, but I have not preached a message quite like this, and I don't know that I ever will again. I pray that if you fall into that category of not knowing God, but just knowing of God, pray get that right today.